Hey everyone, from my side, a warm welcome to our service today. I hope Rodeo family, we miss you guys so much. I cannot believe it's been more than a hundred days since we've been able to gather in person. On the one hand side, it feels like it was just yesterday that we gathered. On the other hand side, it feels like it's been an eternity since we've gathered. We miss you guys. We hope to be able to see um, you all soon again. But luckily, we've got technology like this, right? So we can still connect. And then also to everyone watching on Seals Course and especially to our first time visitors. If you're watching this today for the first time, I wanna say a warm welcome to you. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to spend a couple of minutes with us and hear what I've got to say. I hope you guys have, by the way, gone for a haircut like in the middle of lockdown and now all the barber shops and salons are open again. I need to go for, for a haircut urgently otherwise by our next series i might look like jesus in all the stories with hair hanging on my shoulder but um anyway for now i i, I still look decent enough to talk about our topic why work matters why are we talking about work because we spend eight plus hours a day five to seven days six days a week at work it is a huge part of our life so for that very reason alone we should care about work but also we've heard in the series that God really cares about our work. And therefore, especially if you're a Christian, if God cares about it, then we cannot just say we want to follow God in one area of our life, like Sundays for an hour when we're in a church building. We should also follow God for all these other hours during the day when we are at work. We should follow, follow in the footsteps of Jesus in every area of life. It does matter. It should matter to us. And if you are not a Christian, I want to ask you, please don't tune out. Maybe you've been asking questions about work and you've been looking for answers. And in this series, you might just get some of those answers to the questions you've been asking. And if you are a Christian, I want to tell you, I hope you take this to heart. Because if we, we need to, as I said, we need to follow Jesus also in this area of our life. But why do we talk about work specifically from a biblical Christian perspective as well? And this is important to answer. Our belief system is one of the things that shapes our worldview the most. Our worldview is heavily influenced by our belief system. And your worldview at the end of the day determines your response to things in life. So if you have a wrong worldview, a wrong idea of how you're going to handle the story of life, your response will be wrong. For example, if, you're, if you believe life is all about self-actualization and self-fulfillment, that is how you would spend your life. You would walk over other people. You would drive till you are completely overworked just for that. But if you believe that life is about loving God and loving your neighbor, then your, your um, response to things in life are different. And that is why we are talking about this. So for Christians, when we talk about how our faith and work integrate, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go and start a Bible study at work or that you have to pray every morning when you get to work or that you have to lead all of your colleagues to Jesus the, the next morning. That is all good things, but that is not what we are talking about. We're talking about how we can put lens, some lenses on our eyes that will help us to view whatever we do from a Christian perspective, from a gospel perspective. But let's quickly do a recap. What have we been talking about? In the first week, we talked about the design for work. And we found out that work is not punishment. Work is not something God gave to us because He didn't want to do it. It is not a curse. 
work. God is a working God. He's introduced in the Bible when he's at work, busy creating. And we are made in his image. So it's part of our design. It's part of our DNA. But we also learn that God worked in order to care for and provide for his creation. And he wants us to continue with that work. So we learn in that week that if we stick to our design and we do our jobs competently and excellently, not only does it reflect the beauty of God and of our design, but it also might just be the best way you could possibly love your neighbor. Then in the second week, we spoke about the problem of work. Why? Because if work is a blessing, why on earth does it feel so horrible sometimes? So we need to speak about the problem with work. And we learned that when men and women, when Adam and Eve decided to sin against God, that's to, to live in rebellion against God, they decided to live against the grain of their design. Sin influences every aspect of our life, also our work life. So not only is the world broken and some of our relationships are broken, but also our relationship with work. So just as I'm not perfect, work will never be perfect. And it means that work is now forever marked by both frustration because we're living against the grain of God, because we, we are not perfect. We live in rebellion against Him sometimes. But we will also, because of who Jesus is, because of his redemption, because of his design for work, we will also experience fruit and fulfillment in our work. So it's like this tension that we are living in, the same as we're living in that tension personally um, between what I want to do that is right and that what I do not want to do that is wrong, but still I don't always get it perfect. So today for the third part, if we know about our design, if we know what the problem is, then what do I do with all of this? How do I apply it at work? So today we're going to be talking our third topic in the series is a different way to work, a different way to work. And we are literally going to talk about a, Chris, a Christian perspective of work today, because I believe that Christians have a very unique perspective because of our worldview on work. And therefore we're going to say, how can we work differently as Christians? Paul, gives us in Ephesians 6 that we're going to be reading today, Ephesians 6 verse 5 to 9, Paul gives us very specific details about work. And it won't cover every topic you can think of, but it gives us a couple of principles that on the one hand side ennobles work. So if you've been feeling, um, if you are in danger of viewing work as a drudgery or as something horrible, then he's like, no, no, there's something good about it. Like, go for it. But at the same time, he he takes this myth away from about work that that when we run the risk of making work all about our identity kind of strips that away and takes that part away so it helps us through a couple of principles to have a right view of work so if you've got your bibles with you we're going to be reading from ephesians 6 verse 5 to 9. this is what it writes it says slaves and you're like yeah i'm not a slave okay when paul is writing um, to slaves and masters in this um, one, the Bible doesn't say slavery is right. Slavery did look a little different, especially in the Jewish culture. It was temporary. It was normally to repay a debt and then you were set free. But still, it was a horrible thing. But when Paul writes um, to slaves, he doesn't say it's right. What he is saying is within whatever context you are finding yourself within that context, how should you approach it? Here's some principles. So when we read about slaves, think in your mind, employee. 
And when we read about masters, think in your mind, boss, business owner, manager. And that gives us a good way to look at it. Okay, but let's read. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their masters and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. By the way, some of the principles that Paul is talking about here when he's talking to slaves and masters, the same kind of principles in chapter 5 and 6 of Ephesians, he draws through to other areas of life. To, um, he talks about marriage. He talks about relationship between parents and their children. So these principles are Christian principles that we can apply in different areas of our life. But when we read about this, we kind of get these two, two um, perspectives, one from an employer or a slave kind of view, and one from, from a business owner, a manager, a boss perspective. And he helps us to think through how we should act as Christians within those contexts. So let's talk about a couple of these things and see what it might mean to us. Um, firstly, he talks about, he says, slaves, you have to have respect and fear. Okay, respect is fairly obvious. And especially for a Christian, sadly, I do not always see people living that out. Respect means I am not disrespectful, but I am courteous. I am not rude. I'm not crude. Um, and, and often we see those things at work, right? Where men would, would tell certain make certain jokes about women, where certain images are, are shared and sent to each other. That is rude, that is crude, that is not respectful, it is disrespectful. He says a Christian's life should be marked by respect and by fear. And now like, Lou, whoa, 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 I don't want to live in fear. Okay? Paul is not talking about fear, like being terrified. He's saying specifically, as you would obey Christ, that's the way you should obey. So he, he draws a line between how we act towards people and how we act towards Christ. And when the Bible talks about fear of the Lord, it, it views it a little bit differently. So it is not about terror of God. In fact, in the Psalms we read, that as we experience God's mercy and His forgiveness, the more we experience it, the more our fear of God will increase. So fear doesn't increase when you experience goodness of someone, right? Normally it increases when you experience something bad. So when the Bible is talking about fear of God, it means living in such awe and wonder and, in such, and having such love and respect of, for God that you fear to dishonor Him and to grieve Him. So basically what he's saying, you should have this humble boldness in you. You should love, you should respect the people you work with, you work for. Um, you should live in such a way that you do not dishonor them. Okay. So these two things, he continues and he says there should also be a sincerity of heart in your life. What does that mean? Sincerity, the word literally means an absence of deceit and hypocrisy. So basically there is a focus in our life, in our work life on integrity. Another way to say it is we are ethical. 
Christians, and sadly I've worked with Christian businesses as well, where people would say they were the guys who actually cheated me out of money. They put, put a name on the business in order to gain some business. But a real Christian, someone that's following in the footsteps of Jesus, good ethics should mark our life. We should be known for our ethical behavior. And I know what you might be thinking. You're like, Louis, but what does the Bible... Like, how does it tell me to ethically pull someone's tooth? Or how do I, with integrity, open the drain if I'm a plumber? Or drive them around if I'm an Uber, dri Uber driver? Or how do I serve my patients effectively and ethically? The Bible doesn't give me details about all of that. And yes, although that is true, the Bible doesn't need to give up give us exact details for every job under the sun because the bible speaks to so many cultural political economical and ethical issues that we get a compass that helps guide us an ethical compass that guides us through whatever situations we face as long as we keep that ethical compass with us and don't just push that aside for the five minutes I spend with God in the morning or the hour I spend with Him in a building on a Sunday during a service. So we should be ethical. But then He also says this, win the favor, not only, don't try to win their favor when their eyes are on you in verse 7. So it means don't just work hard when someone is watching you. Don't just work for their approval. We don't just do what we need that's necessary to get by. We don't do the bare minimum and we don't work for people's approval. We don't need a pat on the back in order to work competently, effectively and excellently. You see, when we work that way, when we work for people's approval, it normally leads to one of two things, either overwork or underwork. No one's eyes are on me. So I underwork, I just do what I need to get by because I'm not going to get anyone's approval or someone's eyes are on me. So I overwork because I want to, I want them to acknowledge me. I want them to see me. I want them to give me a raise, whatever your motivation might be. He's like, no, no, you don't work just so that people can approve of you. You don't just work when their eyes are on you. You always work as if working for God, he said. Then the next one, he says, and serve wholeheartedly. This is so beautifully because wholeheartedly means to fully engage as a whole person in your job. Okay, so you give your, your mind, your body, your heart. You give all of it. You give your best. You don't just give a little bit, the bare minimum. You give your best. You do the best possible job that you can do. It's like these are a couple of distinctions when it comes to the way a slave should work. So you don't work just because your boss is beating you. Okay, You work this way because as if you're working for God. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But first, I want to look at the masters. So if you're a boss, if you're a business owner, if you're a manager... What, what is Paul saying? It's like, I want, you to exactly do, I want you to do exactly what the slave would do. Treat them in the same way. He's like, that whole list, you do exactly that. But he's going to put a couple of extra things on us. Because if you have more responsibility, God requires more of you. So, and, and this, by the way, was a radical thing for Paul to say. Because in that world, some slaves, and, and there was levels, but some of them really had very, very little say in anything in life. They were seen as nothing. So for Paul to say, treat them good, uh, make an investment in their life, take interest in them, that was radical. 
But then he continues, he says, except for doing all of that, I also don't want you to threaten them. I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't threaten my staff anymore. We can't do that. No, no, we can still threaten them. You can use guilt to get people to, to motivate them. You can, you can use coercion. You can, there's all kinds of ways that we can force people to work well in, a, in an unhealthy way. Paul is like, that's not the way you should lead your people. But here's the big question, okay? Why do we work differently? Why do we work as slaves differently? Why do we work as, as masters differently, as employers, as bosses, as business owners, as managers? Why do we work differently? And he says, because Jesus is both their master and your master. So basically what Paul is saying is there is no, there is no difference. Every single person on earth is made in the image of God. And that means that there is, and, and he actually says that God doesn't, have, doesn't show favoritism. So there's no different treatment and there shouldn't be in our businesses and there shouldn't be in the way we work. Different treatment based on people, the color of people's skin, on their race, on their class, on their education, on whatever they might be. And we tend to put certain intellectual jobs with a master's degree or a doctorate above people who might be cleaning out a bin. But he's like, no, no, we are all in the image of God, no matter your education, no matter your class, your social standing, whatever, all are on exactly the same level. You see, Christians should be known for the fact that we do not think we are better than other people. We're all equally guilty before God and we all equally need His grace. We're all the same. And Paul describes it so beautifully. It's like there's this new motive that we get. Why do I want to live differently? Why do I want to handle people the same way? Why do I want to give my best? And he, he, he explains it so beautifully throughout the scripture. He says, because do it as if you're doing it for God. Work as if you're working for Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, Paul says the same thing. He writes, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So don't just do it for the money. Don't do it for the, for the recognition. Don't do it because you're trying to find your identity through it. Do it for the glory of God. You see, if our motivation in life, if a business motivation or if, a, if your own motivation is to make money and to accumulate late power and to maximize, maximize profit, it leads to a breakdown of a lot of things. It, le it results in polluted rivers, in poor service, in unjust compensation, in entitlement attitudes, in dead in jobs, in backstabbing, in power grabs. Those things all come from a place where people work for the wrong motivation. You see, but when our orientation is towards God Himself, that is what Paul is saying, then our motivation changes completely. And now we start to ask, how can my work be done distinctly for the glory of God? And as an extent, how can I do it in such a good way that it is actually for the good of my neighbor as well? You see, Jesus, if He is my master, 
if I follow in his footsteps, if I listen to what he said when he summarized the whole law of God and he said, the law is about loving God and about loving my neighbor, then suddenly everything I do, including my work life, is about loving God, about loving my neighbor, and suddenly servanthood becomes the operating principle for my life. Tim Keller wrote something so beautiful that um, in, in this book. And by the way, if you if you want to know more about it, I've already said it. Get this book, Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller. This goes into detail. Everything I talked about is in this book. This book is great. He, they started a, a center for faith and work in New York City. A lot of people has gone through it. This is definitely a book you need to read if you want to dig in deeper. But in this book, he, he talks about this principle that we all work for an audience. Okay, think about it for a moment. Everyone works for an audience. When you were little, you worked for an audience. You worked to please your parents. When you grew up as a teenager, you still worked for an audience. You wanted to impress your peers. That was your audience. At work, you might work for the audience for your superiors to win them over. You might work for, for the approval for an audience of investors that you want to keep happy so that they can invest in your endeavor. And at the end of the day, if our audience is wrong, because by the way, this is an inadequate audience. If our audience is wrong and we try to impress them, we work to please them, it will lead to overwork or underwork. It won't lead to something healthy. Everyone works for an audience. I work for an audience. You work for an audience. We need to make sure that we work for the right audience. And Paul is saying there's only one audience that is worthy of us working for Him, and that is God Himself. When we work for His glory, and when we work to take care and to provide for His creation and for humanity, then everything we do is different, and our, life, our lives get marked by principles that makes us shine bright. So I want to encourage you this week. Let's work differently, not because we want to gain approval of people or we just want to earn better salaries, but because we want to bring glory to God and we want to love our neighbors. Let's do everything we do well. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that your word gives us a lens to look through at everything in life, also our work. And I pray that we would work differently because of the gospel lenses that we wear. I pray that we would look at people differently, that we would not handle people differently because of the color of their skin, the race, the language, their education level, their social standing, but that when we look at people that we would see image bearers of God. I pray that we would be known as ethical people, as respectful people, as people who always give their best because we work as if we are working for you. May we stand out everywhere we go, because of the way we do our work because of, and because of whom we serve. May our eyes always be on Jesus. May you always be the audience we work for. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thank you for joining me for this three-week journey. I, it meant a lot to me. I hope it means a lot to you. And I'm excited to start talking about a new series next week. At Proto, we've got a very simple vision. Our vision is to connect people to life-changing relationships up, in, and out. 
Because we believe that life change, whatever life change you're looking for, a healthy, good life change, happens based within relationships. So upwards, a personal relationship with Jesus, inwards, authentic community as His church, and outwards, sacrificial relationships with the world. And what we want to do is, we are... We are over the 100-day line of lockdown, right? And I've said this continuously. You have to decide how you're going to walk out of lockdown. Are you going to walk out stronger or weaker? Are you going to walk out weight with weight gained or, or fitter than you've ever been? And the same goes for our spiritual lives. Are we going to walk out of lockdown and out of this pandemic closer to Jesus or further away from Him? And in order to grow in anything in life, it takes some work and it takes healthy habits. We talked about habits, how to start healthy habits at the beginning of the year. But for the next six weeks, we are going to look at specific six habits that will help you to grow in those relationships in order for you to grow in your life. And I want to encourage you, if this meant anything to you, or you think that topics we're going to be talking about in the next couple of, of weeks will mean something to someone, please share this. Um, tag people in the comments. Do something so that we help. To, that you, and that, that's a way you can help to spread the word. Also, thank you for being faithful with your tithing, with your offerings that you're giving to our church and to our ministry, to what we're doing. We love to bring you this content and um, we love to connect with you guys. Remember, you can reach out to us um, on, on our email, infoprodo.org.za or also on our social media platforms. So follow us, connect with us, complete your connection card. We would love to reach out to you. And I'm going to hand over and then you will get all the details on how you can contribute financially to our ministry. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of our online service today. If you enjoyed the service and feel you want to contribute to what Prodeo is doing, consider giving financially to our church. There's two ways you can do that. The first way is through our banking details and the second way is through Snapscan. Both of these steps is available on our website. You can just go to www.prodeo.org.za forward slash give or you can follow the link below in the comments. If you enjoyed the video, Please share it to everyone you know. We want more people to connect to life-changing relationships. That is it from us. Bye.